Well, good morning. We've been studying uh, a series of studies through the book of Luke since September with the aim of trying to read through and teach from the book of Luke in a year. And this little section through Advent, we've taken slightly out of sequence, but through these four Sundays in the Advent season, we're looking at Luke's account of the birth of Jesus Christ. Now, Luke's gospel has the most material, the most written stuff about the birth of Jesus Christ. This chapter that we're going to look at in a minute, Luke chapter 1, is the longest chapter in the New Testament. And the story that we heard part one of last week, part two of this week, and part three of next week in this chapter, the story of the announcement of the birth of John the Baptist and of Jesus... There's twice as much written about that than there is about the actual events surrounding Jesus' birth. The stuff about the journey to Bethlehem and the inn, the shepherds and the choirs of angels and all that. There's twice as much leading up to that. So I think it's quite important that we look at it. Now, just quick 30 seconds uh, to recap what Dave Perry said last week. Uh, Amongst God's people, God hadn't really seemed to have been on the scene for several hundred years. No miracles, no prophets or anything like that. And then suddenly, the angel Gabriel appears to an elderly priest, Zechariah, while he was worshipping in the temple, telling him that his elderly wife Elizabeth was going to have a baby to be called John, whose task was to point and announce the coming of Jesus Christ. So, fast forward six months, the same angel appears again. And let's read, if you have a Bible, follow it. Read Luke chapter 1 and verse 26. And I'm going to read 26 to 38. In the six months, that's probably six months after the previous event, when Elizabeth conceived, Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favoured one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. And you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him to the throne of his father. Give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called 
barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. No Instagram or Snapchats or anything like that, so we have to make do with Caravaggio. Nazareth was nowhere special, particularly, it says city here, but at the time, think small rural town. From archaeological stuff, we know more like a small agricultural settlement. It's not even mentioned in the Old Testament. And if Nathaniel, about 30 years later, is anything to go by, people didn't think very highly of Nazareth. He said, can anything good come from Nazareth? A bit of a marginalized place. Mary, we know not a lot about. She was promised in marriage to Joseph. Most likely she was very young, possibly even young or middle teenage. She was a virgin, as was normal to someone of the time. And her prospective husband, Joseph, was likely to be of modest means when they went to the temple to offer an offering after Jesus' birth. They had the cheapest offering that you could get, a couple of doves. We don't know that this girl was looking for God to break into her life particularly. We don't know whether she was devout. And while it's true, the scripture does encourage us that if we we will find God, if we seek him with all our heart, there are just times when God just breaks in. It's true that if we seek the Lord with all our heart, we'll find him. But times, God just breaks in. And this is one of those moments He breaks into our lives sometimes when we're not looking for it. And the angel had a message. Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. Favor here means God's undeserved grace. Whatever it was that the angel was going to say, he started by saying, God is favoring you. You've not deserved it. And God is with you. We've already heard that this morning. God with us. Now, Mary was greatly troubled, as you would be. I suspect the angel didn't look quite like Caravaggio, has it? I think I'd be a little bit scared if something like that appeared in my room. Maybe she was scared, not so much from the appearance of what the angel looked like, from other angelic appearances, they often look like fairly normal human beings. Maybe it's what she said, what the angel said, and maybe she didn't feel worthy at receiving God's favor. Don't be afraid. Mary, I love it. That when we approach God, he actually deals with our fear. I think some of us have an issue with praying this morning and coming to God out of fear. Fear of disappointment, fear that things won't turn out right, fear of what God might say, fear of God, what he might ask us to do, Fear that we're not accept all sorts of fears. And yet the angel deals with any fear first. 
before saying what the angel's going to say. Let's remember that when we come to God, perfect love, his perfect love does drive out fear. It does. And he wants to deal with our fears in approaching him before anything else in approaching him. Simple message, you're going to have a baby. Just imagine what that would have felt like. The news of a child on the way can have all sorts of emotions evoked. But to someone of her age, betrothed to someone in marriage, the possibility of shame and disgrace, and most of all, uh, just a sense of the unknown, Imagine what that felt like. The announcement of a birth, the announcement of a child is always an emotional thing. I remember with our um, Daniel, the day that we found out that we were to have Daniel uh, was the day that 9-11 happened. And I experienced some conflicting emotions. Having seen on the news all this stuff going on that looked like it was going to change the world and then later that evening find we were to have a child into this world where uncertainty just suddenly seemed to be happening, set off a lot of conflicting emotions. And maybe Mary experienced some variety of emotions to do with uncertainty, her own status, what was going to happen to her life. But the angel goes on to explain who this child is. And this is really the heart of the matter. Christ's identity is a common theme throughout Luke's gospel. Luke in his writing really time and time again emphasizes who this Jesus is. And it really starts here and the same things that are said here get picked up over and over and over again throughout Luke's gospel. So that the reader of Luke's gospel, Theophilus to whom it was written but also Every reader since can be in no doubt as to who is being portrayed here. Jesus is portrayed, this baby is portrayed as being fully human, yet fully God. A mystery. You'll conceive in your womb and bear a son. Just like any other human being conceived in a womb. But he will be called son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. He will be holy, the son of God. And if you know your Old Testament, explicit references to deity. A divine title. God himself. But more than that, a savior and a king. You should call his name Jesus the Greek form of Joshua, which means God saves. God saves. The first title given to him in his earthly incarnation is a savior. If there's one thing we need to know about this baby, he is a savior. And indeed, if you read Matthew's account, when the angel appears to Joseph in a dream, A little while after this, to reassure him, it makes it even more explicit. 
Call the baby Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Jesus, a savior. And the nine lesson and carols, which I love listening to on Christmas Eve in King's College, Cambridge. I used to live near Cambridge and I often used to go with my father to the chapel and see uh, where this thing we used to listen to on the radio. When I grew up, we didn't have a telly. We listened to everything on the radio. But I grew up, every, it was a tradition in our house. Three o'clock in the afternoon, Christmas Eve, we'd listen to that. But in that Nine Lessons and Carols, the first reading starts right back in the garden. The Christmas story starting with mankind's need of a saviour. Adam and Eve's disobedience, our ongoing, ongoing inclination to go our way rather than God, can only be dealt with by a saviour. And a king, if a saviour deals with the past, a king with an effective rule is for the now and for the future. Son of the Most High implies also this sense of the Old Testament expectation of a Messiah, someone who'd come and bring God's rule to earth, sort things out, and reign, and bring God's presence among his people. Not a remote rule, but a a rule from within and amongst his people. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David. All those messianic expectations fulfilled in Christ. But expanded. Wow, what a message for a teenage girl to hear. How did she respond? This is Henry Tanner, towards the end of the 19th century. His take on this, I like this picture. How will this be? An understandable question. She was, by her own confession, a virgin, as would be normal if someone betrothed. Somehow her questioning, unlike Zachariah's last week, was not couched in unbelief, and she got a reasoned and a cosmic answer from the angel. Firstly, the power of the Holy Spirit will overshadow you. I love that. Overshadow just means, if I put a, I see a shadow there. I still see things, but it's not overpowering. Something gentle about a shadow changes things, but it's not overwhelming. And the Holy Spirit has a gentleness in dealing with us. Why? She gets a cosmic answer. It's not just how is this going to happen, because she gets a why as well. So the child will be holy. The son of God. Essential to God's plan of salvation is that he himself, God, fully God, fully man, incarnated. His divinity expressed in holiness, untainted by the sinful disposition that mars the rest of humanity. But also fully human. Emmanuel, God with us, fully understanding and experiencing the human condition of weakness and struggle and desire. God breaking into history from the inside. And working from the inside is uniquely man and God. A mystery. 
Fortunately, the angel goes on to say, nothing is impossible with God. It may have been impossible in your thinking. It may have been impossible in Elizabeth's thinking last week that we looked at that you could conceive. But nothing is impossible with God. And somehow, because Mary understood that this was God at work and nothing would be impossible with him, her response was simply to submit. Humble obedience Trusting the consequences with God, even though the possible consequences were costly. Shame, possibly, isolation, a different trajectory of life than she ever imagined. In this one encounter, the trajectory of her life completely changed in a way that she couldn't foresee. And yet, somehow she submitted and said, okay, let it be according to your word. What an example of a teenager. This one's for you, Stuart. Don't underestimate teenagers' potentials, potential to respond to the call of God on their lives. Point after point in the scripture, look at Mary, look at David. There were young people who responded to the call of God in their lives and did it. Don't underestimate them. God doesn't seem to. God doesn't underestimate you guys. You're able to respond to the call of God on your lives. We'll move on in the story. Mary. Elizabeth! Oh, Mary! Oh, hello! It's so oh, good welcome. to see you. It's been so oh. how are you? Oh, what's happened? <laughs> it's happened. <laughs> oh, oh, tell me, tell me. You never tell well, me. You know, you know how desperately upset we were that we couldn't have of a baby. Course. Yeah. Well, one day, Zach was in the temple, as usual, doing his thing. <laughs> and, and he came home, and he was literally speechless he couldn't talk he couldn't talk at all and so he wrote me a note and he said he said that he'd had a visit from a angel and that god had said to him that we were going to have a baby and at first he was so skeptical that to be honest he's just been struck dumb he can't talk can't speak but, you know, I just, I just didn't want to be like Sarah. I didn't want to be unbelieving. I just wanted to trust God. And I said, God, help me to trust you. And here we are. <laughs> oh, but a miracle. How are you? You said in your letter you wanted to talk to me about something. I'm pregnant. I know, I know I had a visitor as well. And, and he came to me and he said that, that the Holy Spirit would come upon me and that it would be it would be the son of God and but you know I'm engaged to Joseph and and you know what the law is and you know my family and my village and I don't understand this bit. Oh, oh, feel that. <laughs> oh, it it's going to be all right. It it's really of God. It really is. You're going to be okay. God will God will somehow 
tell Joseph or something. Don't worry, don't worry. You are so special. This is, oh my goodness, this is an honor. This is such an honor. Elizabeth, do you think it could be the Messiah? Well, the prophet did say, a virgin shall conceive. Emmanuel. A virgin will conceive. A sign will be given. A virgin will conceive. After all these years of waiting, the Messiah. So many years of silence. The Messiah at last has come. My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior all generations will call me blessed now and forevermore he has regarded my lowly state and he has blessed me for all to see. He's mighty with mercy to those who revere him. I cannot be silent. I have to praise him. For he has done great things for me. He fills the hungry with every good thing. His mercy extends to all generations. He scatters the proud and he pulls down the mighty. His strength is the joy of all nations. My soul will magnify the Lord. My soul will magnify the Lord. My soul will magnify the Lord. And my spirit will rejoice. In God my Savior. Not only did Mary meet with Elizabeth, but there was an encounter with the Holy Spirit. All the key events in Luke's gospel to do with Jesus' life are marked with the activity of the Holy Spirit. Another theme that goes throughout Luke. The Holy Spirit having come on Mary to create in her a child. When Jesus, this is amazing, inside his mother's womb, comes close to Elizabeth, the account says she was filled with the Holy Spirit. John inside her leapt, maybe the fulfillment of what we heard last week, that he would be full of the Holy Spirit from birth. And John himself, John the Baptist, we read later on, proclaimed these two things about Jesus, that he would be the Lamb of God who came to take away the sins of the world, and he would be the one who baptizes in the Holy Spirit. See, Jesus' mission, the point of his incarnation, deals with our past and our future. 
Forgiveness of sins, a saviour, and the power to live a different life, filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus' mission is both. And Elizabeth, full of the Holy Spirit, just declares over Mary that she's blessed. And interestingly, Mary recog- Elizabeth recognizes who Jesus is. And why is it this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? The Holy Spirit revealed to her who it was that Mary was carrying. And it's the Holy Spirit active in us. Holy Spirit sent from God that will quicken our hearts to notice and respond to Jesus. And so Mary sang, I can uh, highly commend you for that song. It's beautiful won't read it through. This song is used in worship throughout the world and has been done so for 2,000 years. And it has a personal aspect to it and a global aspect to it, and then we're done. Mary responds in worship rather than anxiety. Worship takes us out of ourselves and focuses on God. And here she speaks of future events in the present tense as if they're happening. That's a common device in Luke to use the aorist tense. He speaks of things that are yet to come as if they're now happening. But also reflects her statement of faith and trust. She declares about God a whole pile of things. Number one, that he is Lord. He's in charge. Secondly, that he's a saviour. Thirdly, he's noticed me. He's mindful of my state. He's looked on the humble estate of my servant. God's noticed me. Oh, and by the way, she slips in a little thing. From now on, not just Elizabeth's going to call me blessed, but all generations will. And here we are, 2,000 years later, still doing it. He's mighty to act on my behalf says Mary. And then she goes global. Somehow the sort of prophetic momentum in her heart in this song suddenly sees that this isn't just about her. This is about a much bigger picture. He, the living God, Yahweh in her Old Testament understanding, is somehow birthed in me as well, and this is what he's about. His mercy is expanded down generations. Maybe thinking in her mind along the lines of Exodus 34 when it says, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate, gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, forgiving rebellion, wickedness, and sin. Somehow it's not just about her and her song. It goes global. He is powerful and he is particularly a ruler above all earthly rule. Choosing instead to demonstrate rule by being gracious, generous and just. And finally, all the promise of her Old Testament background fulfilled by the one who is faithful to keep his promises.
Come and see, went the prophetic word this morning. Come and see that this Lord is a saviour. Come and see and experience this morning that this saviour notices me. Nazareth was marginalised. Mary was young. And yet God noticed her. Come and see this morning that this saviour who notices us is mighty in the here and now in our lives to act on our behalf. That he's merciful when we need mercy. He's powerful when we need breakthrough. And his rule is gracious, generous and just. And that he is faithful to all his promises. This is who this child is. Both then and for all generations.